Welcome to the Performance Connection Podcast, the show where we connect you to the highest quality information and leading professionals in the world of human performance. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Performance Connection Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Angie Ashey. Angie, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Corey? I'm doing good. It's great to uh, reconnect with you after like a decade. I know, literally a decade. I think you were you know, my TA in, was it 2012 or 2011? It probably, it, it probably would have been both because I mm-hmm. was a TA during that time. But yeah, for the listener here, Angie and I were sports nutrition interns at together at the University of Nebraska. We stocked many shelves and many coolers. And we <laughs> All made the Gatorade many, bars. <laughs> yes. And many, many nut blends. Uh-huh. Many hours like going through cardboard. Bo- Wait, which nut is this? Oh, my gosh. You have the almonds? Um, so, yes, it's, it's been a while. So it's great to reconnect. So, Angie, why don't you go ahead and go through your background and what you're doing now? Sure. Yeah. So, like Corey said, we worked together over a decade ago at the University of Nebraska. Since then, I went on to finished my master's in nutrition and physical performance at SLU, St. Louis University. And I also did my dietetic internship there. So I became a registered dietitian after that and started working as a sports dietitian at a, it was an athletic training center there in St. Louis, working with athletes with the Rams, which were at the time in St. Louis still, and the Cardinals and, and Blues and so on. So lots of cool experiences there getting to work with pro athletes, but I wanted to kind of transition and and start my own practice. I had kind of my own vision for things. And so I launched Elite Sports Nutrition, which was my private practice in 2014. And since then, I have worked with high school, college, professional athletes ranging, you know, anywhere from here in the U.S. to overseas. And I also do a lot of media work. So I work with different companies like Center. I work with brands and kind of more as a spokesperson for them and then bringing their their product to athletes. So putting them in the hands of athletes and also educating fellow dietitians on why this is a beneficial option for, for them too. So I work with a lot of brands and, and companies in that light too. So I like to say I wear many hats and it's it's funny because I'll get a lot of interns or or dietetic interns that say like, can you film or post a, a video of what you do in a day? And I think it's this assumption that I'm like in person, one-on-one with these athletes all day long. And honestly, it's just like me on a computer for the bulk of my day. But I do, it's it's 99% virtual what I, what I do. So I do have a few in-person clients, especially like right now while I'm here in Florida for spring training. But for the most part, it's still a lot of virtual. It just works best for for me as a new mom and and from for my athletes too. So that's a little bit about what I do. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about the spring training thing. So do you work with a major league baseball team at the moment? Not a team. So I'm not a full-time consultant for any team. I the only time I was full-time consultant was for Nebraska volleyball team a few years back, but since then I just like to again have my own practice and and it's hard when you work in a full-time setting because you really don't have any time for that that private practice side of things too. So it's also just very different work than than what I want to do. So this way I get to do all of the consulting side of things. So basically I don't have to do food service is what I'm trying to get at here. But yeah, so I I do work with a lot of major league baseball players 
know, minor league baseball players, baseball players that are kind of transitioning from that high school into that stage of I may or may not get drafted. I've signed with a college, you know, just in case. So that's really a fun stage too to work with because either way, they're going through a huge transition in their lives. Uh, so it's it's cool to be a part of that. And and the cool part about being in private practice instead of working with a team is, you know, being in sports too nothing is really set in stone as far as how long they're going to be with that team. And so if if I'm working for one team and then my player gets traded you know, three weeks later, well, now he's got to do the whole thing over again with another dietitian. So the cool thing is I'm basically just there for him the entire season, the entire off season, wherever he goes. If he's released and a free agent, he still has my support. So kind of cool to, to work with him in, in that way. Yeah, that is really cool. And it gives you a lot of flexibility and gives you a lot of options. And mm -hmm. this is something I've noticed, you know, as I've tried to get to know who some of the diet sports dietitians are in like pro sports and, and things like that is a lot of dietitians, they'll work with the team, but they're not necessarily, they're, they're contracted to the team. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking like, you know, Marie Spano does, yep. has done it that way. Susan Kleiner has done it that way. Mm -hmm. Both of those are those are our authors, and I've I've seen that a number of times, and it's it's very interesting. It's it's something I guess if you're a future dietetics dietitian, it's just something to kind of keep your eye on and look out for because it kind of gets you the best of both worlds, maybe, and yeah, keeps your options open. So that's totally. That's and cool. Marie's been Marie's a good friend of mine. We she's been in some really good scenarios where she has yeah. got to be a consultant for a team instead of a full time dietitian, and I think. I mean, those roles, it's its crazy how different they can be. And so unfortunately, when when it goes past that consultant role to now your full-time RD, it is going to be a role where that is the only thing you can do. So the outside work, it's really tricky. You are doing a lot, a lot of food service. And you have to remember baseball is every single day. So it's its a lot of, you know, talking with, with catering companies and things like that, which is obviously, you know, still apart regardless of you know what area you work in but it kind of takes me back to the university days where we're stocking you know making protein shakes and and whatnot so yeah absolutely and i i also want to mention that you you are an author i am right yes, you're also an author. <laughs> yes it's not a small feat it is not. No, it is truly labor of love but yeah so fuel your body how to cook and eat for peak performance that was released in May of 2021. And it was truly the the kind of the passion and, and reason behind it was it came from my work with people like minor league baseball players or people that are, like I said, making that big transition from high school to college. Now they're cooking for themselves for the first time in a dorm or whatever else. And so it was basically that all-in-one resource because I felt like Whenever I would have an athlete in that transition phase, I was kind of pulling a bunch of resources together like, OK, well, well, here's some here's some handouts on, you know, pre and post and all the other stuff, nutrition. And and here's, you know, some really simple recipes. And, oh, you don't have a kitchen. Well, here, let me pull together some in instant pot recipes or things like that. And so I, I wanted something that was like all in one. Here's a resource. Very, very, very easy recipes, very limited equipment. And, and overall, I mean, really, I think it's a really good balance of, you know, whether you're trying to gain weight or you are kind of following a vegan vegetarian plan or maybe weight management is your goal during season. There's kind of a, a set, you know, quote unquote meal plan for that uh, to kind of help you guide, guide you through that process. Because I realize obviously not everyone has access to a sports dietitian and especially if you 
go to a smaller college where there's not even one on staff, or if you're at a college that there's just so many student athletes, it's hard to really get that one-on-one with them, then it's a, it's a good, good way to kind of feel still connected to it, to a dietitian. That's, that's awesome. So very kudos to you. So yeah, it, if you haven't listened to the introductory episode for the podcast, I am in the publishing industry right now. So yes, I know firsthand that a book is no small feat, no matter what. So that's awesome. And of course, I will have you know a link to the book in the show notes. So today, we are going to talk about different strategies, different dietary strategies and ways of eating for different body composition goals. All right. So we'll talk about muscle gain. We'll talk about weight loss. We'll talk about maybe some body recomposition or some other goals that people might want to want to aim for. But where I would like to start is just in general, Angie, when people try to like take on the journey of changing their body or, or going for a very specific goal to change their body through nutrition, what are some of the main like, misconceptions that you see or, or maybe even just like the mistakes that people make, like either good intentioned or not? I mean, What are some of the things that you often see where people go wrong? I think, Corey, the first one to come to mind is that the food choices will be drastically different. So what I mean by that is if your goal is weight loss, then you can't eat certain foods than compared to, say, if your goal is body recomp or to gain weight, that that all these foods are off limits. So Most commonly, I'll say carbohydrates are the ones that if you're looking to lose weight, people assume, well, I can't eat that. And in the same sense, I feel like a lot of times with weight gain, they do always kind of push protein, 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 which of course is important. Don't get me wrong. But carbs also sometimes get left behind there too. So I think number one would be the food choices that certain foods are off limits, which obviously is not necessarily the case. We can, even if someone is is trying to lose weight, you can still eat a lot of the same foods, pretty much all the same foods as someone looking to do body recomp or gain weight. It's just going to be very different portion sizes. So obviously that's going to be the biggest determinant of your success is, well, how, how big are those portion sizes? What is the total makeup of calories, macronutrients from that snack? And, and how can you still incorporate it while also, meeting your, while also meeting your goals? So I'd say that would be number one. And then I think the second big one that comes to mind is has to kind of deal with supplements, which I know you are very educated on this topic. You could probably speak much more efficiently on it all than I could. But I think the biggest thing there would be that that supplements are always going to like relate to, oh, this is a weight loss supplement. Like I, I need this specific supplement because I'm trying to lose weight versus I need this specific supplement because I'm trying to gain weight. When in reality, a lot of supplements like say, for example, creatine, like someone could use that across the board, regardless if you're trying to lose weight, gain weight or, you know, have body recomp. And So and just to kind of clarify, like whenever I mention body recomp, I'll just mean like you want to maintain your weight. You're not necessarily looking to gain or lose, but you'd like to ideally uh, hate the words like get toned. But that's what my clients, that's how they word it. They want to get toned. So essentially increasing muscle and losing body fat. So you don't care too much about what that scale says, but you just want to your body composition to look different. So that's what I mean by that. Yeah, you're spot on with the supplementation aspect of things and uh, where people, they want to jump right to it. I mean, you've been in the situation, I've been in the situation where you may give an athlete educational talk and the entire 45 minutes or an hour, you're just talking about food and the first hand that goes up and the first question out of their mouth is, 
so what about creatine <laughs> you know, or what about so what about the pre-workouts and I'm yeah like, what uh, you didn't you didn't mention anything about pre-workouts in your yeah, pre-workout nutrition yeah so yeah i think you know people it's no fault it's human nature that we want to focus we want the special thing we want the thing that will make it easier or we want the thing that like just is is more attractive from the standpoint of well it can't just be you know as easy as it sounds or maybe yeah. as unexciting as it sounds i saw earlier today someone was like i mentioned you know i don't know why people try to go with intermittent fasting or the carnivore diet or xyz diet and i'm like i do it's human nature you mm-hmm. want something that's very clear, clear cut to say, do this, do that. And that way your path is very like, planned out for you. Now we know that has sustainability issues. A hundred percent. Yes, you will be able to, the steps that might be clear because they're saying, don't eat this food, don't eat that food. Mm-hmm. But almost in every single case, there become sustainability issues. So, and then, yeah, like supplementation wise, you know, we're talking about a single, single percent improvement on the ones that work mm-hmm. for whatever. So yeah, I'm definitely with you there. So let's get into some of the uh, maybe nuances between the different goals. So like, uh, like I said before, we're going to talk about like building muscle. So this would be, as if I understand right, this would be like someone really wants to bulk. They really yeah. want to gain muscle and that's their primary goal. And then we'll talk about weight loss and then also kind of the, the toning body recon aspect. So why don't you go ahead and start, we'll start with muscle gain okay. and just give like, what are the general outline goals? Like what are we trying to achieve? And then any special considerations or nuances that go along with that goal? Sure. So I'd say number one, we want to achieve a calorie surplus. And so what I mean by that is you are going to be consuming slightly more calories than you're expending in a day. And the expenditure isn't just limited to your exercise, right? It's not just limited to how many calories your watch or your whoop band says that you burn during your workout. It's also your resting metabolic rate. You also have to take into account a little bit your thermic effect of food. Um, And I'll talk about that a little bit with the other goals too, because it does play a role. But the kinds of foods you eat have a larger impact on metabolic rate than others. So for example, fiber and protein, those ones will actually increase your your thermic effect of food or they have a greater effect versus something like fat or low fiber carbohydrates. So that gonna is going to tie in a little bit more to the, the weight loss aspect. But I bring that up because a lot of people that are trying to build muscle, especially if they are vegan or vegetarian, they often what I've noticed is they have a more challenging time because they have so much fiber in their diet. And so it is It is really satiating. And so it's harder to get enough calories in, but also they have such a high thermic effect of food. So you do have to kind of take into account, you know, and, and to kind of combat that, a simple way to combat that is to add high fat, low fiber foods. So maybe you add a little bit, of, well, not a little bit, hopefully a little bit more, but maybe like oils, like olive oil or avocado oil. Those are a really simple one. Or, you know, butter if you're not vegan vegetarian. Those are just really easy ones that are very low fiber and very calorically dense. So adding in a few more high calorie foods like that will help. And then I will say that consistency is going to be key here. So now you have this calorie surplus. Now you need to be consistent as far as when or how often you're eating. I have seen some people attempt to gain weight eating just like in a very, very tight intermittent fasting window. And it's just not as efficient. I mean, can you? Maybe, but probably if 
if you're getting 200 grams of protein in that one meal a day, but that is really hard to do. And I also question the muscle protein synthesis with that as well. Um, and obviously, we have some good research showing that the more frequently you eat those those bouts of protein, the more efficient that that process is. So I always try to say eat more frequently, maybe every three to four hours. So if you're a high school athlete and you're not eating breakfast, here's a great reason to start eating breakfast because otherwise you're getting halfway through your day and you're having to eat this massive amount of calories you know, after school. So it makes more sense to try to get calories in earlier and then try to get some calories in at night before bed too. So for a lot of my athletes that have night games, it gets a little tricky because they're they're playing at seven o'clock and then, you know, they're going to bed pretty quickly after their their game. And a lot of them are like, I can't drink this huge shake because then I just have to wake up and pee so many times. And so obviously that's something where we kind of navigate the best strategies for them. Maybe we do some foods that are lower in in water and and so on. But otherwise, I'd say meal frequency is is a big one. Obviously, protein is going to be pretty much a a substantial or I guess high on the pedestal for all three goals because regardless of your body composition goals, protein, adequate protein is an absolute necessity, especially if you're strength training, which is going to help significantly with reaching these goals. So I would say for for wanting to put on muscle, I want to say like the most common range given is about 1.4 to 2 grams per kilogram body weight is kind of like a, a starting point. And in some cases, it might be more, um, but that's kind of a good, good range to shoot for too. And then I'm trying to think what else. Liquid calories are huge. I think it's it's another good, really good strategy if you're trying to build muscle to take advantage of liquid calories because a lot of players will or a lot of athletes will look at their plates and be like, this is way too much food. I'm overwhelmed with this volume. That's where like adding a glass of milk or having a shake between meals as snacks, that's a really good strategy to get more calories in without feeling like you're constantly sitting down to very large plates of food. And then I just very briefly mentioned it, but obviously that strength training piece is going to be key. And this is where you as a strength and conditioning coach could obviously talk a lot more than than I could on this, but that progressive overload and having an actual set plan, I can't stress enough, like not just going to the gym and being like, I'm going to build muscle. Like, what is your plan? What is your program? Like, do you have it actually structured by a, a strength coach or someone that's, that's, you know, put some reason behind this, this plan? Yeah, that's a key aspect because we, we want muscle to be, to be built and gained. Anyone can gain weight. And obviously we would like that to be as much muscle as opposed to, to fat as possible. So, you know, you mentioned surplus. What do you recommend a specific amount of caloric surplus? So I typically, it depends on your goal. If you're trying to build muscle with as little bulking as possible, right? So like you don't want hardly any body fat along with that. Then I recommend about 200 calories of a calorie surplus to start. So you take that maintenance, you take your total daily energy expenditure, everything factored in, you add 200 calories to that. Now, if after a week or so things are slow and you're like, I'm really not seeing much weight gain, let's dial it up a notch. You know, maybe even just as small as like 100 calories extra. So now we're at 300. Uh, in some cases, I've had athletes where they're like, I really need to bulk up. Like I, I'm fine with putting on some body fat. Maybe they're very, very lean to begin with. Then they may be at a 600 to 800 calories, but they are going to gain, likely gain a little bit of fat with that. So it's not necessarily going to, you know, help you gain more muscle that way faster per se. You may gain a little bit of fat with that, but 
you could always go through that body recomposition after the fact too, if you're really trying to gain as quick as possible. Sure. So typically the rate of gain that I have recommended and I hear often, and it's, it kind of coincides with that kind of 250 to 500 calorie surplus, potentially up to a thousand is an average of a half a pound to a pound a week gain is kind of like a good, you know, gradual rate of gain without putting on too much body fat. Mm-hmm. Like you said, though, there might be time constraints and or you might be a in a situation where you are a, a body weight, if your body weight doesn't matter. So I'm thinking like lineman in football or I was a fullback in, in college. So I gained 25 pounds in four months and I, I just had to do it. Like I did not have a choice. So yeah, stuff like that will happen. Um, have you ever seen really like big individual differences between athletes where like, okay, athlete A seems to respond really well to even just a small calorie surplus, but then athlete B, it seems like we got to push them to a thousand to even get the same rate. A hundred percent. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And and it's, it's crazy. And I want to say, you know, maybe genetics has something to do with it too. Obviously when we're just, you know, going through these different equations, I use an average of multiple equations, but if I have their body fat, it's always a lot more helpful. But in some cases, you know, you have high school athletes that they don't know their body fat and they don't have access to find that. And maybe we're meeting virtual. So I kind of have to do a little bit of, of guessing there based on, you know, just visual what I have, but that's obviously playing a role too. So if they have lower body fat versus higher body fat, that can impact it slightly. But um, I will say I think genetics genetics plays a big role um, and also just kind of different habits of the athlete. So if they're maybe a fidgeter or doing, you know, they have a larger expenditure of NEAT, that non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which sometimes I don't always get in the first meeting. Like, you know, most yeah. most athletes, they're, they're not really consciously aware of how often they fidget unless you bring it up. So if you, you know, bring it up and then they're like, oh, you know, maybe then they really focus on it the next week. Like, wow, you're right. I, I'm constantly moving. Then they will essentially, it's not It's not that they necessarily need a larger like surplus. It's just that we're underestimating that total daily energy expenditure, essentially. So so even though I think that it's a 600 calorie surplus, really, maybe it's only like 100 or or 200. And so we have to adjust from there, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it just speaks to the constant trial and error that with some of this stuff, not only because you're dealing with individual differences in metabolic rate that you can try to estimate via equations, mm-hmm. but you're also dealing with inherent inaccuracies in trying to track calories. Like oh, even, exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking like even like the, the best, I mean, obviously the best way is to have a food scale and you're measuring everything out. But even then there's inherent accuracies, but you're talking about high school kids, as you know, even pro athletes, you know, do not have stuff dialed in all the time and probably they might not be willing to do that. So how do you help your athletes really gauge how much they're adding? Like if you're talking only a couple hundred calories, that might be only, you know, that's like a tablespoon of oil is that's all that is. Or how do you help them decide or guess correctly or guess more accurately with with that kind of stuff? Yeah, good question. And it's obviously going to look different for everybody, but with I'll just kind of take a, a client example. So I'll, I'll look at what they're doing already. 
So, all right, we have we have seven days worth of, and like you said, food logs. It's it's hard sometimes you're pulling teeth to get food logs, but it's so tremendously helpful, especially when a huge body comp goal is is on the line here. So we'll get seven days of what are they doing? And then I'll be able to look through and see, okay, well, how can we easily tweak this? And like you said, maybe add a tablespoon of oil here or and so usually what happens, um, I'll kind of do like a before and after with them. And some athletes, they love the visuals. And so I'll even like have like two picture examples or I'll just write it out for them. So if they're maybe only having two eggs, a piece of toast and half a cup of fruit at breakfast, and maybe they're only eating three times a day, let's say they're just no snacks. Well, first of all, adding a snack would be probably step number one, because that's going to easily add 200 calories. So then I'll tell them, here's some examples of what 200 calorie snacks look like. Now, maybe they don't want to add snacks at all. Then with breakfast, we'll say, all right, the only meal, I'll always ask, which meal do you feel like on a scale of one to 10, you don't feel overly full. So maybe like lunch and dinner, they're like, oh, I'm stuffed. I could not eat another bite. But breakfast, yeah, I could easily add more to breakfast. So just kind of having that conversation of, of where is the change most likely to happen and, and like where is it easiest for you where it's not going to negatively impact your performance too. Because some, like I have a, I have a ballerina, for example, she's a top ballerina. And, and for her, she likes to perform on like a much lighter meal. But then that makes it a little bit more challenging because she, she dances so much that we've got to find ways to get those small little meals in more frequently. So it, it really is going to depend on the athlete, their day, where we can squeeze it in and, and make it so that it, it fits their, their lifestyle best, but obviously still gets those calories in. So in that example of the athlete with breakfast, with the two eggs, the piece of toast and the half cup fruit, maybe we up the fruit to a full cup. Maybe we add, you know, half a half an avocado on the bread or something like that, you know, depending on obviously what their protein is like during the day, what their fats like, what their carbs is like and, and what they need more of that's where the tweaks will happen. So in that scenario, maybe they were good on protein, but they needed a little bit more fat and, and fiber, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Those are those are great points. So let's go to the other end of the spectrum now. Let's go weight loss or I guess fat loss, however you want to term it. I mean, I think in the performance world, we are probably, we are wanting to probably, you know, we want that weight to come from body fat. Mm -hmm. we, you know, just like with the weight game we talked earlier, there may be times where just weight is weight and we need to get it off. Again, let's go general goals and then any nuances you want to uh, highlight. Yeah. So I think, I mean, general goals, you're going to want to be in a calorie deficit. So here we talked about calorie surplus. Now we're doing the same thing, but with the deficit. And this deficit's going to be fairly small, especially so that we don't, like you said, we don't start losing lean muscle mass too. We want to really focus on just the fat mass. For women, I usually go smaller than men. So, you know, maybe even start only at like 150 to 250 for women. And then sometimes for men, if if they have a lot of weight to lose, maybe, you know, closer to that 500, 600 calorie deficit, depending on the person and the activity level. So obviously calorie deficit is going to be number one. So if you're really struggling to lose weight and you're like, I just, you know, matter, no matter what I do, I just don't understand. Like there's some kind of calorie deficit issue that we could improve on. So let's look at, you know, maybe instead of always thinking about eating less, eating less, eating less. What what else could we do? Could we add a little more exercise? Could we add a little bit more fiber and protein, which is going to help drive up that thermic effect of food? Could we add a little bit more of that non-exercise activity thermogenesis? So maybe you're moving a little bit more frequently throughout the day than you're used to. So, so what can we add instead of just, you know, I 
I'm taking everything off my plate. I have nothing left to eat. So that's that's number one. And then I think number two, and this is one thing that surprises a lot of my athletes when I tell them if their goal is weight loss, but, and I may be a little bit extreme on this too, but protein is almost even more important if your goal is weight loss than if your goal is weight gain. And obviously, I mean, it's very important in both scenarios, but when you look at the research on, on weight loss and to effectively maintain your muscle mass while losing fat, sometimes those needs are as high as three grams per kilogram body weight, especially when your calories are so low. And so that protein, not only is it essential for helping to retain that lean muscle when you're in a deficit, but it's also so satiating. So it helps keep you full. It helps with that thermic effect of food. So there's just so, so many reasons to up the protein. So a lot of times if women are only eating say three ounces of, you know, protein at a meal, I'll say, well, actually let's, let's bring that up, you know, a notch. Let's, let's, let's add a couple ounces to that. And then let's, let's kind of, you know, change the rest of your plate just a little bit tweaks here and there. So maybe the fat will be reduced a little bit. Maybe the carbohydrates will be reduced a little bit, but in, in most cases I'm upping the protein. So that's, I guess, more of a nuance than, than a, a standard step that I recommend. The other one would be there has to be some sort of, I think, journaling. And I wouldn't say it has to be a constant thing. You don't have to constantly use a food log. But I think even just write, if you're someone that really struggles with that mindful eating and, you know, maybe some mindless snacking, or maybe you truly are just, you're, you're trying so hard, but you just have no idea why you're not losing weight, write it down. Because I can't tell you enough how often new clients will come to me. And even just with keeping a food journal for our very first meeting, they'll be like, holy cow, no wonder I'm not losing weight. Like I'm, it's just, it's crazy how much like you're not thinking about the foods when you're, when you're in it. And then when you have to actually physically write it down, you realize just how much is actually going in. So I say, even if you journal for a short time, it is tremendously beneficial. And especially if you've never worked with a dietitian before, so you're unaware of you know, recommended portion sizes or, or what, you know, how much you should typically eat in a day. It's very educational, I think, to kind of get a good understanding of, oh, so, you know, this many ounces has about this many grams of protein. That's, that's helpful to know. Yeah, we'll start there. Yeah, it's a huge educational process. And yeah, there's a, there's a big learning curve there. But, you know, once you practice it for a while, you get a lot better at it, yeah. you know, I, the people I know who have, who have just kind of partaken of the journey of, of weight loss, they, they can like get it down within like, you know, very close to the ounce of, oh, that, you know, chicken breast is this much or whatever. And yeah, in your protein comment is interesting because I definitely agree with you there because, you know, earlier we gave the kind of one gram per pound, uh, and that'd probably be the minimum from a, a fat loss standpoint, we would, I would think, mm -hmm. but you got to remember that we are in a calorie deficit. So we are, calories are scarce. The body needs almost like a stronger signal to retain muscle. So that's mm -hmm. why you almost need more amino acids in the system to say, okay, we've got enough of this thing around. We've got plenty of amino acids. So let's keep the muscle around. We're, we're good there. And then it also just preferentially make sure the weight loss is coming from body fat where the opposite situation, you have, you got calories everywhere. So like, <laughs> I mean, your, your building processes are going to be a lot more efficient. So you may not actually need as much of the building blocks, so to speak. Yeah. It's, it's just an, like an interesting paradox. You wouldn't, mm -hmm. wouldn't necessarily think that. So how do you help your clients work through cravings? Because I, I imagine that would be a big issue with people who are really trying to like 
focus on weight loss and you mentioned journaling, I know sometimes people journal with like how they might be feeling around like craving time, but you know, often people want like, well, what can I eat or what, what are some strategies I can do to like, kind of just make that craving a little less, you know, strong. So what are some things you, you do with your clients? Oh man, good question. It, it looks different depending on the person, but I'll give you a few different examples that are coming to mind with, with some, some clients. So I will say, number one, a lot of times cravings are driven because of underfueling, especially with athletes that are training so frequently and they're just not getting in. I will say carbohydrates is, is typically the one that if, if they're really underfueling, especially carbs, cravings tend to be higher. And so I will look and see, all right, let's say for this example here that this athlete is eating perfectly. There's nothing wrong here. They're perfectly, they're well fueled, but they're still having these really strong cravings for certain foods. So I'll look and see, all right, are we positive that, that your needs are being met? Maybe you do need a little bit more based on your training. So that'll be number one. And now, now we have a, have a weight loss client that maybe they're not an athlete. So their training needs are much lower and they're still having these really strong cravings and maybe it's impacting their success. They're not able to gain weight because they, they see these cookies, fresh made cookies on the counter and they have to eat seven of them. So I really do a lot of, I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, I'm sure you are like the atomic habits or the, the power of habit book. So the Charles Duhigg, the power, power of habit, he has that habit loop. And so I'll talk a little bit about, about what that habit loop is and kind of that, all right, you know, what's, what's the, the cue, what's the reward, kind of like talking through all those steps and then they can try to revamp how they, how they get out of that. Now, I will say that going back to this one scenario of, of this client I'm, I'm thinking of who has struggled with, with weight loss, we do a lot of journaling. So we'll write down, what are you thinking in the moment? And sometimes it doesn't happen until after the food's already consumed, which is fine. We're reflecting. That's fine. But, but what do you think was the reason for those cookies? And then, you know, maybe it's, I was, I was absolutely starving. Okay, so let's plan ahead and let's eat a snack earlier in the day. We have to look for the reason so that we can find a solution. So if the, if the reason was, okay, you were absolutely starving, then, you know, let's plan ahead. Let's get a snack. Or maybe there was a healthier option available, but it just didn't cross your mind. So, so how, how can we make a healthier option available and more convenient? Let's plan ahead. Let's get some really convenient options for you in the fridge so that it's just as convenient as the cookie, right? Because you don't want to have to put together a whole healthy snack when you can just eat a cookie off your counter. So that's, that's another kind of reason solution scenario I give. Maybe another reason it just, it was, it just smelled so good and it looked so good. And I just, I just could not resist. Maybe we can find another slightly healthier alternative. So maybe something that's a little bit lower in sugar and and fat. And this is where kind of those healthy swaps come into play. But I don't want people to think that they constantly have to make like healthified desserts. That's not the point here. But I think just having more of those available will help because now you're swapping out one for the other and you're still able to enjoy that while still sticking to your weight loss goal. And then the other one is obviously, you know, the reason behind why did you have five instead of one? And the solution there could be, well, I mean, it really depends on what their reason was. Maybe they were stressed. A lot of times it's stress related. A lot of times it's just because they were there because they were just present. So how can we avoid that too? For some clients, the out of sight, out of mind really does work well for them. And I, I hate to 
have them avoid having cookies in the house forever, but at least just for a little bit of time so that they can still enjoy cookies when they go out. But now they're not just constantly there sitting on their table day after day. It just it works great for some clients and it doesn't for others. So, again, it's just it's it's so different how I approach this depending on the person. So, yeah, that's kind of a the the reason solution scenario that I go through with them. Yeah, that's all really good stuff. And the reason why you might need to work with the dietitian because <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's true, though, because you've mentioned several times how each individual is different, each situation, not only just, you know, we've talked actual physiological differences with maybe metabolic rate, but just everyone's situation, everyone's, you know, a relationship with food, why they make certain food choices, their eating habits that they that that they grew up with that are just very firmly instilled. So those are all, all great strategies. So let's move on then to the, the like the last scenario, which would be like toning fitness. And I'm with you on the toning. It's what people know. Like I, I the, the term <laughs> I, I understand kind of bothers people, but at the same time, it's like we we gotta speak the language of our clients sometimes. And you know, I get where the term came from because, like in physiology, tone is the resting state of the muscle. Is it like in, in a, a state of partial contraction, or is it very very relaxed? And if somebody is quote unquote toned, they look like they're always flexing. So like, okay, I get it. Um, but this might be a situation, right, where somebody wants to lose body fat, they maybe want to get leaner, but they don't necessarily care about size or bulk or anything like that. This is, in, this is a super interesting scenario because we've kind of seen the polar opposites where, you know, one, weight loss is almost the opposite of weight gain in terms of recommendations. Mm -hmm. So what are your recommendations for more of a recomp or toning scenario? Yeah. And I, I actually have several clients that are in this boat right now. And it's really about kind of that. And I should say that there are clients that come to me too, that are at a very healthy weight, if not even on like the lower end of the spectrum that they think that they want to lose weight, right? They, they think they come to me saying, I want to lose weight, but, but when I gather more information, they don't want to lose weight. They just associate that like getting toned, like we're talking about with a lower number on the scale. When in some cases, that might actually be a little bit higher than where you're at. Or it might be just like we're saying, the exact weight you're at. So this is where really I say stop focusing on the scale, right? Because the weight is not really what's going to dictate that that change. Because we're we're if you want, you could potentially go somewhere that's going to track body fat. And maybe you do that, you know, once every couple months so that you can make sure that you really are making the, that progress, which I think for many people is tremendously helpful because then they can actually see that that progress in a numerical value versus, you know, just the scale. But I think the big thing here is that you're in more of a maintenance range. So what I mean by that is, is you're not really in a deficit. You're not really in a surplus. You're kind of just in this maintenance range of you're maybe eating between, I'd say, like a 200 calorie window, maybe 300 calorie at most window every day. So maybe some days you're a little bit lower, a little bit higher, depending on your expenditure that day. This is where having a strength training plan is going to be just tremendously helpful because you you are trying to build muscle and lose body fat. So strength training is key. From a nutrition standpoint, protein is very, very important still. And I will say fiber becomes important as well. So the food quality is going to play a big role here. So we're looking at foods that are 
going to increase that thermic effect of food. You'll have, you know, lean protein sources, whole grains, fruits, vegetables. Try to get more of those foods on your plate. Alcohol may be something that maybe you try to limit. Of course, that would be hopefully scenario in all three. But especially with this too, a lot of people think like, oh, well, I'm not really needing to lose weight. So I'm, you know, it doesn't matter if I drink here and there. But if your goal is body recon, alcohol might need to go for a little while or at least decrease. I should never say you have to exclude it altogether, but decrease. Um, And I think another, all all three could really have this goal too, is going to be sleep. So getting quality sleep, because obviously that the consistent sleep, seven to nine hours is what's typically recommended for some athletes. It could be even higher. That's going to play such a big role in your hormones in your mood, in your, your, you know, in appetite, hunger levels. So there's just so much importance that comes with, with quality sleep too. So I'd say having a plan to eating consistently, planning ahead with healthier options so that you always ensure that that, that healthy choice is the most convenient option will help to, to meet your, to meet your body recomp goals. Yeah. To me, this seems like the situation I mean, your training is important, all of them, right? But this is where how you work out and how you train might have the biggest impact in how you look, per se. You know, it doesn't have to be bodybuilding, but you're incorporating some kind of resistance training. A multimodal exercise program would be good. Then, yeah, you're probably going to see this situation. I always think it's pretty cool and crazy when I see situations where people take like a picture of themselves and then like a year later another picture and they're the same weight, but they look completely mm-hmm. different. And yeah, so and that is where like, again, the training will come into play. And one thing I want to add just kind of on that note for all of these scenarios is time. Like all of these things take mm-hmm. time. If you really, really, really want them to, if you want to have a big effect, like if you want to gain muscle, but not gain a lot of body fat, like consistency and like patience is is the name of the game the same with the weight loss side of things for sustainability and then with this recomp like you gotta you know find a way to make sure you're not taking huge breaks from training so yeah time is definitely inconsistency definitely going to be a thread through through all of these yeah you have to allow sorry sorry to interrupt you you have to allow for your life to happen while you're reaching these goals and i think a lot of people they just like get like go, go, go. This is my only goal. And they don't take into account things are going to happen. You know, things are going to happen with family, with with friends, with work. And so it's how can you implement this and make it realistic to your actual life, to your lifestyle? So how can you fit this into your life instead of fitting your entire life around this new diet? Because obviously that's that's not going to work if you try to fit your whole life into into a diet. So one question I want to ask before we kind of move on to the last segment of the show is... Are there any specific nutrient timing protocols you're using with any of these scenarios? Yeah, good question. And I was I was thinking of that too when you mentioned that it takes time. I'm like, oh, you know what? I didn't really talk about nutrient timing much. But it's funny because I feel like I I almost bring that up after the fact. Like I first I talk about the amounts and the food choices and and we talk about all of those things, you know, the portion sizes. And then we talk about timing because I do think that. It matters more what you're eating in the entire 24 hours than, you know, if you ate it at this time versus this time. So I think in, in a lot of people bring up intermittent fasting with with weight loss, things like that. I think it's again, it's going to depend on your activity level, if your goals are performance specific. So like that get fit in 
kind of, you know, stay fit and toned, I should say, that's going to be something where timing is going to play a bigger role. So you're going to want to consume protein, ideally around the times that you're training, potentially both pre and post. We'll talk about where, you know, maybe if your goal is weight loss, let's try to maybe keep an eye on how much you're eating after a certain time at night, especially if you're kind of a grazer, if you get home and after dinner, you kind of continue to snack and eat. Those are those are the people that I do see have the most success with intermittent fasting when they're not, you know, incredibly active. They do a little, you know, obviously some physical activity, but their main goal is to lose weight. I think sometimes that intermittent fasting style of eating could be helpful to them because it cuts them off from eating late at night. And then, of course, with the the muscle gain or the, you know, gaining weight goal goes, it's going to be consistency. So you're eating kind of more frequently every three or so hours because you have such a high calorie goal to get in during the day that if you, again, wait so long, wait until noon for your first meal, then, you know, it's going to be really hard to, to get enough calories in. So. For sure. Yeah. And just kind of for the listener, we'll probably have a nutrient timing episode in the future, but it's interesting, like how you implement nutrient timing is very much dictated by the rest of your day. So like, you know, if you're, you know, depending on when you train or when you practice or whatever, all these factors matter. So good stuff. So Angie, one of the newer things that you have taken on is you have joined a company or an app called Center, which is the app of a someone that I, th- I think most people know. Chris Hemsworth, is that? I, I think he's like a movie. He does movies, I think. Yeah, that's, that's the uh, guy. So I got to tell you this, this story because it is just such... It's such an example of a small world. So through my through my work currently with Human Kinetics, I've became connected to one of your center teammates, Bobby Holland Hanton. Oh, cool! And so Bobby and I have known each other for I don't know, it, it's a little over a year now, probably. So that Bobby, so cool. if you don't know, Bobby is Chris Hemsworth's stunt double. Like literally mm-hmm. contracted. If Chris does a movie, Bobby is his stunt double. He actually just had a story written about him in Men's Health Australia. But if you see the center ads, if you see anything with him and this little short guy named Luke Zaki, he is the other guy. <laughs> yep. He looks a little more like Chris. That's Bobby. So I was scrolling. And so I follow center on Instagram and all that stuff. And I'm scrolling and I see, wait, did I just see Angie on Instagram? I know her. Wait, is that a cent- the center? Insta- I, what is happening right now? And so you're there with Dan, who is another nutrition guy with Center. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So <laughs> what are you doing with Center? And yeah, just describe a little bit more of that. Yeah. Oh gosh. Center is, I just have such a like special place in my heart for them because they are a tremendous community, like just the coolest people you will ever meet. What I do is I'm essentially their their dietitian. So through the app, they have, I'm sure if you're familiar with the app already, they have a meal planner. So they have a bunch of recipes. They You have your grocery list. You have like a sample meal plan on there based on your goals. So it's funny that you talked about the three goals here, the weight loss, the, and I, it, they call it get fit and toned. So they get fit and toned and then the gain weight. Those are kind of the three plans that you can do. And I I love it because they emphasize over and over and over and over again that individuality, right? Because you have tens of thousands of, if not hundreds of thousands of people using this same app. Obviously, it's not going to fit for every single person that's looking to lose weight, you know, that that set meal plan. So that's where we have guidance throughout the app. And that's what I'm there for to kind of help them say, all right, well, 
you know, your your needs are a little bit higher. So you've got to add, you know, maybe an extra portion here or maybe you need to add a snack in here. And we give examples exactly how to do that. So what I'm there for is essentially going through making sure that the the recipes and the meal plans make sense with each goal, that they're very well-rounded, nutritious, there's plenty of healthy options. And then there's a lot of different features throughout the app too. So there'll be educational materials on say supplements, for example, or I just did one actually all about mindful eating. And if your goal is weight loss and some things to to think about. So I'm basically there to be their dietitian as, as part of their their community for when they have those further questions of, hey, you know what, this plan is awesome and it's working great, but I need a little bit more here. And the cool thing too about the app, I will say, is that there is a, a total daily energy expenditure calculator in there. So if you were someone to like track your calories, you could get a good idea of like, all right, you know, this recipe says it's this many calories because the nutritional information is on there. Um, you know, this recipe says it's this many calories. How can I tweak it to better meet, you know, my specific needs. And I'm trying to think what else, gosh, I just, as you can tell, I just, I love them so much. And I, I do, I, I just, I appreciate them so much that they have a dietitian on their team because I really do think they're one of the only apps, like looking at other apps that are similar, popular apps, they don't have, they don't have that side of things. And when you look at a goal like weight loss or weight gain or or getting fit and toned. Obviously, nutrition is a huge pillar of that. So the fact that they have a dietitian is is awesome, and I'm so honored, so incredibly honored to be to be on the team. But they also have, I should mention too, the third pillar is meditation. There's like stress or sleep visualizations. So I use it for for sleep, and obviously, relieving stress is a huge part of of reaching your goals too. So it's got the the workouts, the nutrition and the meditation as part of their pillars. Yeah, it definitely is pretty unique and cool that they've got not a nutritionist, they've got a dietitian, like a, you know, a, yeah. a trained, right? Right? you know, accredited dietitian on staff. And then, you know, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with like the workouts per se, but, you know, like I said, I follow them and I, I've been impressed with the educational stuff they've put out with like, with working out and things like that. And I'm like, wait, did he just say progressive overload? Like that? I've never seen that on an app before mentioned. And so, yeah, it's definitely very cool. So Angie, if people want to continue to follow you or follow you or find you, where's the best place they can do that? I spend the most time on Instagram. So that's Elite Nutrition, E-L-E-A-T Nutrition, all one word. That's my Instagram. I set a goal in 2023 to be better about Twitter. And I have not not stuck (laughs) to that goal. I don't think I've sent one tweet out. But you can find me on Twitter at the same place, Elite Nutrition. Otherwise, my website, EliteNutrition.com for resources. We have different resources, downloadable ebooks if you're, say, endurance performance or want to know a little bit more about weight gain, weight maintenance. We have um, we have those guides on there available to you too. Otherwise, yeah, awesome. I think that's about it. You can find my right. book, Fuel Your Body, on Amazon, at Target, online, Walmart, well, that's awesome. all the places. Anywhere books are sold. That's awesome. Great. Well, Angie, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, that was some great information. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Corey. Thank you for listening to the Performance Connection podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review, share on social media, and on Instagram, tag at Performance Connection podcast, all one word. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, 
or cure any medical condition. Thanks again, and I hope you'll keep listening or check out other episodes.